when you get into like do this and don't do this and say this and don't do that, it almost takes away the fun of wow, I get to learn about something that I'm interested in public health from someone with more experience. This is kind of exciting and I think it's nice to keep that passion. But these are reasons why networking can be a barrier for me is thinking about, oh, am I using a bunch of I statements or am I am I clear in my goal? Like I'm trying to make sure I've checked these boxes and then it becomes like a chore and then it's not a fun thing anymore. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. In the previous episode, LaShawn, Linda, and Gordon talked about what networking means to them, the nuances of networking in the fields of public health and global health, barriers to networking, and the overall benefits of networking before you're in need of a job. In this episode... They share some practical tips you can use to connect with people you're interested in learning from, where you can meet other public health professionals, and how the pandemic has closed some doors for networking while opening other ones. This is where we left off. Okay, so we've been talking about what networking is from the public health and global health professional perspective, but now let's talk about some of these strategies and kind of how we can actually go about doing these things. And we'll provide, we'll be providing some examples of each of these strategies so people can get an idea of how to actually do it. So let's start off. Um, What are some strategies that you all use to network? And maybe you could share some of your tips as well. Um, So I don't know if this is a strategy, but um, a couple years before I went into my MPH, I found myself at a conference and it was in Ottawa. And at the time I lived in Alberta. So as context, I didn't know anyone there. Um, But I find the best way to meet people at a conference is around the mealtimes, usually around lunch, because you just end up sitting I had to sit at a random table with strangers. And so in general, people are like, oh, you know, what brings you here? Because the conference, people want to make friends. And through that conference, I became aware of the Western MPH program. And then I ended up going to Western for the MPH program. But had I not spoken to the people sitting beside me during that mealtime, I may not have heard about the program and made that connection. So... um, it's awkward and for me as an introvert, I hate it. I hate small talk. So I try to do it while we're eating because that's when people just want to like take a break from yeah. the talks through the day. Oh man, that totally is a throwback to pre-COVID times. Um, that also reminds <laughs> me. Yeah, right, right. So that, that reminds me now, those were kind of traditional events, but some of these events have shifted online into a virtual setting. And Gordon, I'd like you to talk a bit about that virtual podcasting summit that we went to and some of the network strategies that we used and specifically some of the outcomes that came from that little um, networking session we had. Okay, so yeah, as as newer podcasters, um, we always try to put ourselves in position to learn from people in the industry who are doing this longer than we have learn about success strategies that they've implemented, learn about some growing pains, lessons learned, and then how people overcame those. So there was a podcast um, grow summit that was hosted um, a few weeks ago. I think it was in April. Mm -hmm. Um, So just like a normal web um, conference, normal virtual conference. Anyway, you have a kind of a keynote speaker, 
Um, you're able to see their bio, their area of expertise, what they're passionate about. You're able to attend their talk. Um, you know, pay attention. Um, make notes if you if if there's something that you want to follow up on. If they didn't elaborate in their um, in their talk, and that's where keep in mind the fact that we signed up um, in our free time to attend this means that we had a goal in mind, which was to go there and learn. So it's not necessarily that. I mean, maybe I'm different because I will set a quota for me to talk to someone. You're different. Um, at least, yeah, I'm <laughs> a little bit different, and I think it's part of it where. I was not a networking person in the beginning, so I actually would have to force. The easy way for me to take was to not talk, not to talk to anybody. So I actually had to impose something on myself to actually do it. Okay. Um, so anyway, we, you know, I kind of, I always set like a one, just like your, even if it's just your presentation was great, keep up the good work. That's and that's that. That's the end of the day. I just need to talk to one person. Um, not to say that you have to do that, but that's just no, my I approach. Like that. yeah. Um, so yeah, we we liked it. this presentation was about um, um, one of the ones that stood out for Lashawn and I went to the, the, the conference, and one of the ones that stood out was one of the the speakers was talking about um, search engine optimization strategies, and given that we're gonna be launching um, our blog and um, start you know, doing public health global health pieces, um, we wanted to know sort of how to create a blog in a way where it's searchable in google and kind of the readability was good and 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 stuff like that so we were paying particular attention to some of the tips he was giving and there was an opportunity after his talk where um it was a nice virtual software where you could sit at a booth and you could see the speaker at the booth and then you can <laughs> and then you can um go and sit at the virtual booth and then a video thing pops up where you can like have and like a speed dating networking so cool. thing with the person. So Lashawn and I basically hijacked the table because there was only four people allowed to sit there. So, so it was the two, two plus one. Table. Pretty much, we <laughs> have table, and no one, no one else came. And we asked, we like, we're so, first of all, he could see we were passionate, and we weren't just doing it because we had a lot of questions, and he could see that we paid attention. We related it to the work we were doing. We asked him how he was, and he was very flattered. We also offered value. We we're like, um, "Oh, it's good that you mention this because the way we're doing it now is this way." And he's, he, you know, there were sometimes where he's like, "Oh, wow, I, I didn't even think of that way to do it, and that's not a bad way." So we're don't undersell yourself either in those interactions because just casually talking stuff can come out, and don't make it a one-way conversation as well, right? So um, we learned a lot from it. Yeah, my favorite part about that as well is there was many booths and in like a real conference, like maybe you see someone you want to talk to across the room and you're kind of scoping them out to see when they're done talking to X amount of people <laughs> so you can make your way in. Gordon and I basically had a strategy where we're moving table to table virtually, getting closer and closer to kind of <laughs> make our way into that setting and to join that booth with him. So he could see us, I guess, but we could also see him. And we're kind of inching closer and closer to the table so he could see us virtually approaching him. So yeah. it was just a cool little innovation that that software we were using um, allowed us to do. And and you know what, too? We talked about, we kind of had a back and forth with goals and being clear. Sometimes your goals will come apparent, become apparent during someone's talk. Mm, yeah. So someone can say, 
this is what you do to get this job and it's like ding i my goal of this interaction is to find out what you meant by that statement right that's a goal right and that kind of informs how you interact with them because you're going to ask them about that specific comment they made so sometimes you can go into a conference and the conferences seminars are great place places to network and not ha- really have my goal is just to be a goal can be just to be open to what's manifesting and then you go to a talk and then the lights you know turn on and you're like i want to follow up on that because that's super interesting so you can you can make a goal within seconds and if you don't have a goal you don't need to force yourself to talk to someone unless you're just genuinely interested in their previous work so Mm -hmm. so moving along what do we all think about emailing as a means or strategy for networking i think that emailing don't um count it out as like oh this is an old school method there are a lot of professionals who only use emailing for example they may not be active on linkedin they may not have a twitter so i think emailing is good um but you have to be open to not getting a response it may get lost in people's inboxes and if you're emailing it it like it has to be concise like to the point it's like it's not a place to write an essay so there's just a maybe do a couple drafts of your email first um but i've had some successes with emailing of just like trying to schedule something more like email to schedule perhaps uh, a coffee chat or informational interview so um yeah i've only used it as a stepping stone to more emails for me is kind of tricky um i don't like email as a primary form sorry um, not primary, the initial point of contact, I should say. Um, I think it just, it's very dissociated from you, like as opposed to, I rather social media connections first. That's ten, That's how I tend to do it. And then um, once I have some kind of rapport established, I will follow up by email mm-hmm. and they'll send me their email directly. Because, and the reason I do this is if there's someone that, if you're kind of cold networking, sure you can send 10 emails out um and maybe you're not you don't really care if no one responds um i'm very deliberate in who i want to reach out to and it's because i want to talk to them so i will do things that increases the chances of them seeing me and responding and i find that through social media is better because social media shows you their activity so it's it's a bit what i'm about to say is a bit creepy but what you want to do is if someone posts on linkedin every day like every hour they're on LinkedIn. So they're going to, whether they respond to my message or not, they will see my message when I say, right. hey, great, whatever. And that just increases the chance of them acknowledging me for me to take it a step further. So that's why I don't really like email as the initial point. I want to establish like a point of contact through a more engaging platform like social media first and then go to the emails for further um, co- correspondence. And I guess you just need to know the who you're trying to reach out to how do they what is their primary method of communication because mm. you know like sometimes if you there's a research paper that you found really interesting you want to reach out to that person there's a correspondence at the bottom often it's just an email right or an address mm-hmm. unless you want to write a letter that's an option too but that person may not have social media so then you know how that person communicates most likely is by email because that's the only method they've given so yeah, I guess it would depend case by case. Um, but Gordon, that is a good point to try to increase your chances of getting a response. Know how that person communicates. So if they're using LinkedIn all the time. One thing I do too, 
is you got to set the table right exactly. so if there's someone so if there's someone that so for example a lot of the times i will network it is to be honest to get um great people on the podcast right so it's a long game so i will start wow this person's cool maybe over the course of a month i'll comment on their posts that i find interesting kind of stand oh this person so that when i ultimately oh wow it's a crazy guy that always comments on my post um and then kind of there's like you're establishing kind of a micro rapport you're kind of working yourself and this is good for people who don't like who kind of need to build themselves up to start by liking the post that they make if you like it don't like it just because if you actually like it like it comment say what you learn new then work your way up to hey um like that post you made about this it made me think of this um and then kind of get into what you want out of the interaction so that allows you to kind of build yourself up to it instead of just jumping in and cold messaging people my thing at least with emails is i'm a big fan and mm. i i love the points you all made about um understanding which method works best for that um individual i think that's important understanding different communication channels however if you don't if you the only thing you could find is an email you just have mm. to live with that and understandably yeah. not a lot of people use social media and you're not trying to message people on instagram it's probably going to be twitter or linkedin yeah now with that in mind there's a lot of specific things you can do on email and like i mentioned earlier you don't want to bombard them with an essay of your life it's super important like uh, many people might listen to that your parents might listen to it, your family siblings etc but a random person you just met and you're trying to network with they probably don't care as much so it's important to be very specific concise and brief um with that message now I've had experiences where um a lot of the supervisors I've been working with they got emails from uh, students interested in working in their lab who I guess their message that they wanted to portray is that if you hire me into your lab I will do good science which obviously implied that that person thought the supervisor was doing bad science and then the supervisor was like nope so you got to be careful about what you say um because it's your first impression essentially so you want to come off um like you're interested you're genuine and there's a there's a purpose to this right and so one of these pro tips that I've always developed and I mentioned this earlier um if you have if they have papers or whatever you could bring out specific examples to use that one of the things and this is kind of that impersonal aspect that Gordon was mentioning it's like you don't want to use this as your first contact but if it's your only way to use it if this is the only kind of first contact you have let's make that as impactful as possible and having little cues throughout the email to kind of build that connection helps one of the things i do is in my email signature i maybe put if i know that they're alumni of queens or western and i'm a alumni of queens or western i'm going to say a western graduate or queens graduate right and then they'll feel more kind of inclined or um interested in helping you because they had that same experience and it it may work it may not work but it's worked a couple of times they've noticed it and they said glad to see your fellow alumni reaching out so you have a very small window of opportunity when someone reads that email and if they can see a small little thing that they can kind of um you know draw upon i think that's um that's helpful that's a good point like trying to make that human connection as well mm. but what you said there you did your research i often find you got to do 
there's nothing more offensive i guess than something where maybe you're you're asking and maybe an email an obvious answer to a question that was literally available on their website homepage and like the biggest font possible and then you ask it it's a big kind of a big turn off because if you you had all the time in the world to do your research to me and this was the best that you could do for first email that's kind of a that's not a good impression so make sure what you're asking as well i mean it sucks if like lynn i think you touched on this before like am i gonna ask a person the question where the answer is obviously available um you shouldn't if you need to find out a more detail hey i just acknowledge that you know so on your thing you said this but i'm particularly interested in knowing how xyz happened it's like okay you're aware about the public and public information that's plastered on my website um that you would have googled if that's the first thing that comes up in google but you're interested in learning more about it that tells me that you did do some research um so i wanted to ask you though lashawn what what would an intro email look like what are some of the key points you want to hit on like how do you spend the whole paragraph introducing yourself um like what's kind of your structure for that so a lot of that has to come down to the research you have done right Mm. so if i'm a if this person that i'm interested in talking to um has a public health um kind of um research aspect to it that they do research in that field um i would cater my email to be more public health focused so hi my name is LaShawn. um i currently do this this and this and make that this this and this make sure it's relevant to what they're doing and as much as you can obviously so maybe it's working in public health um in this specific field and then kind of connect why it's related to what some of the work they're doing from mm-hmm. and then give an example mm-hmm. right don't spend too much time saying, oh, I have a GPA of X, Y, Z. I have these achievements. I have these accomplishments. They don't really care too much about that. And the feedback I've been getting from a lot of these supervisors is that they want someone who's genuinely passionate and not just trying to, um, you know, just lab hop and just do this for a quick thing just to have it on their resume. They want to see someone who's dedicated, taking their time to email. And the biggest red flag I would say is make sure you tailor your emails do not have a standard template email that you're sending everyone especially if it's to the same school and the same department there's been so many um, stories that i've heard where um, (laughs) professors got the exact same email from the same students saying the exact same thing and then they talked about it and it's just like oh that's that's super weird like you don't want to do that because everyone talks right so um, make sure you avoid that because you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Either. Right. And then how you avoid it too is to reach out to the people you're genuinely interested in reaching out to. So if you don't really care to reach out to a person and then you, you, you're going to send out a generic email, don't even bother. Like maybe narrow your list to three and like you do a three in the first batch and then another three and another three. Right. Mm-hmm. And LaShawn, one thing you we've been doing for emails as well that works really nice is um in the email signature we actually hyperlink um linkedin LinkedIn. so one we can kind of see if they click our profile Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of a way to see if they read the email and also they can learn a little bit more about you so you don't have to go through all the three paragraphs about yourself it's just yeah i'm right there it's easy clickable i don't have to go copy paste your name into linkedin it's right there i can click it okay he said he's interested in mental health um all of his kind of thing on linkedin says it would indicate that he, he's actually his posts are all about mental health mm-hmm. okay he's actually interested 
and then they might be more inclined to follow up with you. Pro tips. And to follow up with Gordon's question, how I would end that email is I would have a specific call to action. Why? What's the purpose mm. of this email? What do you want to happen as a result of this email? Mm. Is it to set up a little uh, coffee chat? Is it to take a look at a specific thing? Um, is it to get more information about a specific thing? Um, make sure that's clear because a lot of times you could just say something and say you're interested and maybe they won't reply back because the, the, the call to action is not clear. Mm-hmm. Right? So make sure that's clear and obviously sign off respect, um, in a respectful manner. But yeah, that, that hyperlink on the, your name for the signature, that's, that's key. That's a pro tip right there. So that, that kind of goes to the next thing in terms of um, making sure you have like a complete LinkedIn profile, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, I just wanted to briefly talk about, you know, we, we already mentioned it a bit, but when you have these opportunities, whether it's volunteering or your work opportunities, why is that uh, important or a potential opportunity to network to find other things? Why? Because oftentimes when you're volunteering, you could just be like, oh, that's just the volunteer thing that I do. But it's much more than a volunteer thing that someone can do. Or because, just a practicum. Yeah, you're interacting with people, um, many people, a diverse amount of people with different knowledge and resources. So every opportunity is an opportunity to learn. That's and how I see it. And you never know when a couple of years you'll end up working with the same people. You don't know when, mm-hmm. how your paths will cross again. So yeah, volunteering is clutch. Like a lot of profession you can use volunteering relationships as professional relationships even if you need references um things like that so it's a really good tool to use i think it's underrated Mm -hmm. yeah 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 Uh, i would agree keep in mind too so if if you're gonna volunteer for the brain injury foundation for example i just made that up you're thinking of it just the Brain Injury Foundation, but think about who the Brain Injury Foundation is connected with. So that's what, what networking is. One kind of multiplies into like 20, 30, maybe hundreds of other networks that you can tap into. So it's not about the end goal being the volunteer position itself. Think about the other stakeholders there. They have um, relationships and partnerships with that your work will impact and then reflect positively on you and then you can kind of meet more people and kind of build your network. So that's a, the value of the volunteer kind of practicum aspect of it. One of my favorite things to do is if I'm working or volunteering, I think they're both similar. You meet people on your day to day, whether it's online or in person, feel free to go to a different department, have a contact in a different department and talk to them. Do exactly what we said in the email um, portion of this recording just email them say that you work in the department and they're way more likely to be like yep you're one of us essentially and be like I'm happy to have a little talk and then learn, yeah. learn about what they do and yeah. I, I love when Gordon says this because I think it's important the way you frame things when you're actually talking to people is important um, don't come from a point of view where it's all about me what 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 can i do to do this what can i do um, should i do this should i do this not about i maybe you could relate it back to the person that you're talking to and say if you were in this position what would you be doing um because it, it takes it, it it's it it helps them facilitate the conversation better and it's more relevant to them because at the end of the day you want to hear from their experiences you don't want them to be doing all the thinking and work on behalf of you 
I think that's just the important point. The way you frame your questions, and we could create a whole another podcast for that. But I think it's important that it's not about I, like we mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Um, can I? I'll just say I have to. I can't resist that one. You <laughs> I know you. Me. I know. You baited me. You baited me out on that. So yeah, people don't want to think for you. Like when you network with someone. That's where the whole life story comes in. Don't give someone. I mean, I know some people might be having some challenging times. Um, unfortunately, though, it's not the network the person you're networking's. Um, it's not their thing to fix. If there's something to be fixed or something that some problem solving to be solved. Um, so you your strategy should be maybe to identify someone who you can relate with. Um, oftentimes. Um, in my position, anyways, I'm from Jamaica. So if someone sees that I came, they're a Jamaican as well, and they see that I came from Jamaica, that's very relatable. How did you get from here? So that their question to me would be, "Oh, what? How did you find it when you came here? How did you get from here to here?" Don't ask me, "Hey, as a fellow Jamaican, what is your advice to me、um, coming to Canada and then getting a job?" You should infer that from asking me to talk about my experience, rather than I'm gonna try to listen into you, your specific needs and your specific、um, barriers, and then try to tailor my responses to your situation. That's where the rapport comes in. Like if you've developed a relationship over time, you can get closer to that. But on the first interaction,、mm. it should be I'm really curious how you seems like you started at this workplace and then went here. Would be really curious to see why and how you did it. Just a general comment overall. When you get into like do this and don't do this and say this and don't do that, it almost takes away the fun of wow. I get to learn about something that I'm interested in public health from someone with more experience. This is kind of exciting, and I think it's nice to keep that passion. But、mm. and these are reasons why networking can be a barrier for me is、right. thinking about oh, am I、um, using a bunch of I statements or am I Am I clear in my goal? Like I'm trying to make sure I've checked these boxes, and then it becomes like a chore, and then it's like it's not a fun thing anymore. It's a, am、right. I going to offend this person? And so、um, it's trying to keep that balance of it's a human being you're talking to, and if all else fails, if you forget all the do's and don'ts, just be respectful and、mm. have a conversation and like an ask in your email or、right. in what however you reach out. Right, and I would just say that's a great point. And keeping mind, your first email or first LinkedIn message is not going to be that great, or it 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 might not be the perfect one, right?、Mm. And then some, you might reach out to someone with the worst email possible or the worst LinkedIn message possible, and they do get back to you, right? So keep in mind that you always have to be open and reflect on. Okay, I sent out ten things today,、um, no one responded in a week. Um, let me be honest and reflect on why. Okay, this this message could have been misconstrued as maybe asking too much. So next time I'll try. So it's not that you have to go in knowing everything. You have to be also open and honest with yourself to realize what you can do every time to improve. And maybe you improve little bits over time, but you can't just assume that you,、um, you know, you write the perfect message. You all even to this day, I'm always. Ah,、uh, this is a little ASCII, and I, 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 I'm sure my messages aren't perfect. But as long as, like you said, knowing that there's a human there, be genuine.、Um, people can kind of be a little bit forgiving、um, if it's not too hectic, and then kind of go from there. 
So one of the things that Gordon already mentioned was using social media as their first line of approach. So can you talk a bit more about some of the social media platforms that you think are appropriate for networking? Can I add people on Facebook? Can I add people on Instagram? <laughs> Could I add people on Pinterest? What can I do? So so networking for the p- purpose of learning uh, information relevant to your kind of interests or career work um so in from the perspective of public health global health that kind of field you're mostly looking at something like linkedin or twitter um if you're more of a creative um something like instagram and linkedin would probably be um i don't think twitter is a space for creatives necessarily oh i wouldn't Um, say that bro no just so (laughs) when i say when i say creatives right i'm talking about um, link the way LinkedIn kind of displays their platform. It's more for the photography type of layout, and if that's your area of work, maybe that's a platform for you. Um, Twitter, yeah, t- LinkedIn as well. But I think I think in the way you could do Instagram, um, it's really appealing for those people. Facebook kind of just um, is just not. It's Facebook has Facebook has a reputation that people don't like um, these days, so it's. I'm not sure what the viability of Facebook is for networking at this point. Um, but I think it depends on what, why you're networking. There's sometimes where, um, I like some, like maybe there's this, there's this artist's page on Instagram and it's, you know, for podcasts, we want to have something drawn or something. And then it would be a more of a Instagram connection. If it's something like a podcast guest where people just showcase all their professional work, on LinkedIn and it's easy to see job updates. It's easy to see easy to see um, your tenure history, your academic history. Um, LinkedIn gives you access to that information. So I find that LinkedIn is the best um, tool for me to network. LinkedIn is definitely, uh, I think my preferred method of professional type of networking mm-hmm. in terms of learning about what someone specifically does because a person's Instagram could be a little more personal and so it may not always reflect their professional um, experiences and so that it depends on I guess your goal as we started out but LinkedIn is definitely a skill and had I not you know made a LinkedIn profile as a student honestly probably wouldn't have one because Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like it's not the when you think of social media you think of your facebook instagram twitter linkedin may not be your go-to unless you are actively you know job seeking or trying to professionally network yeah linkedin the thing that i like about linkedin is in this day and age it's also there's value in being able to separate kind of your personal life from your professional life mm, and i think Tell us i think linkedin yeah linkedin just gives you an opportunity to because to my knowledge i don't think you can make your profile private where it's not discoverable on linkedin um so to my knowledge anyway like if you google search someone's name on linkedin um you, sh- you will be able to click on their profile um whereas something like instagram you could keep it to more more of your friends Mm -hmm. and have that be a way to you know um be more of your i guess your natural self outside of work so i like the dichotomy of linkedin and one so whether the n one is twitter facebook or instagram linkedin is that good one to 
put out there how you want to be perceived in amongst your peers in the professional world and then kind of separate it from um, your personal life. And we know for, I don't know if this is what you're alluding to, LaShawn, we know some employers actually will look at your social media profile um, to make hiring decisions. So the appeal of LinkedIn to actually present yourself in your, the way you want to be perceived has value and being able to separate out something like Instagram where you can make it private to only people you want to be in your social circle and kind of separate it that way. What would you all say to people who think that networking during a pandemic is pointless? Well, briefly, I would just say, because I did want to share this about LinkedIn, um, when I was saying that it's a skill, I found that during the pandemic, uh, for a huge portion of it anyway, I was unemployed and I was spending a lot of time on LinkedIn just seeing what's out there. And I guess I didn't know this, but LinkedIn has become a place where people share, yes, their professional life, but they also intertwine their personal stories of like overcoming hardships and like things like that. So I was seeing a lot of stories, a lot of people being more creative, writing kind of blog posts or like mm -hmm. thought pieces on LinkedIn. And I did not know LinkedIn could be used so in such a creative, diverse way. And so I think perhaps because of the pandemic, LinkedIn has grown from just, I went to school here and this is the work I do to sharing more of yourself for employers and others to see. Um, and I was surprised at that. Uh, I'm not yet there. I don't know if I will ever use it in that capacity, but it was interesting to see that shift. Hmm. What about you, Gordon? What about you, Lashawn? Uh -huh. uh, you go first. I asked the question. No, no, go, go, go. All right. I mean, for me, um, like Linda just mentioned, I graduated when when i graduated from my master's i was stuck in the pandemic as well i graduated during the pandemic and it was actually linkedin that allowed me to find the job i'm currently in so for the practicum component i i messaged someone after doing a bunch of research i sent them a private message i explained my situation um, of how i just graduated in this pandemic i was looking for a practicum position um, but I didn't directly ask it like that, but it was it was basically kind of geared towards that. And I think as a student, it was probably easier to just do a direct ask like that, in a sense, because what I was looking for essentially was a practicum. And basically, I sent the message out. They got back to me and the rest is history. I, I currently work there um, as my full time position. So LinkedIn, even during the pandemic, was useful for me to land that job. So I'm not saying that this will work for everyone, but what I am saying is it's a possible tool. It's a potential tool that people can use to help with their searching and help with the networking and help um, get to the goals that they want. And even to get inspired, people are sharing the sweetest posts about how, you know, someone shared my resume with someone else and then they hired me and just mm -hmm. the goodness of humanity and I like sometimes just scrolling on LinkedIn for fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, it's awesome to hear those stories. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, let us know for those listening, if you want us to have a LinkedIn, a live LinkedIn um, optimization workshop. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, we have someone special that will be uh, joining us from the LinkedIn sphere. 
to share some tips. So if you want a live event, um, let us know on the, the socials or email and uh, we'll make it happen and let you know about it. Hmm. So Gordon, are you going to answer the question? Nope. <laughs> what, the, what the hell? Yikes. What was the question again? Oh my God. Networking in the pandemic. What would you say to people that find networking during the pandemic pointless? So what what networking or I, I'm going to separate into traditional networking uh, versus virtual networking. This is a classic Gordon response. I like virtual networking better because you can meet more people from across outside of your local area. Um, the norm would before would be I don't think virtual networking was a norm before where if someone kind of lived in your city, you wouldn't do a camera meeting with them. You'd kind of meet with them at a coffee shop. Now it's actually normalized that you can do screen to screen networking. So it gives you it's more convenient, in my opinion. Um, it gets your feet wet. Maybe you're kind of nervous to go and sit with someone in a coffee table and it's kind of awkward and you're kind of nervous and it's like where to end the conversation. Now you can set a Zoom meeting put the schedule in there you send an invite it says 30 minutes so i guess we're talking for 30 minutes so i think it's a little bit clearer with virtual networking it's more efficient in my opinion i'm not saying that you shouldn't want to see people's face ever again in person i'm just saying for um it's a more efficient way to meet more people from different regions getting a lot of different perspectives i think the pandemic um has thrown a dent for in-person networking but it's opened up this new field of virtual networking where um, even for PHI we're meeting people from Australia UK um, from different African countries India India, the the US that we would never uh, meet even podcasting typically for podcasting um, interviews would probably be done live in person as well so if you're a smaller podcast um, you're probably not going to have the resources to fly um, guests in to come and do a talk with you. Now, remote podcasting is, is a acceptable form of podcasting as well. So um, it's not there's pros and cons, but um, you have to enhance the, the positive aspects of virtual networking and minimize the um, the kind of negative parts of it and still kind of do the, in an ideal world. You do a little mix of both. You talk to people locally. Um, who you can actually go and meet up with and then you kind of um, do virtual for people who it's difficult to meet in person. Fantastic. Great summary. So as a final call to action for all our listeners, we want you to go into the description of this podcast and you will find each of our names, LaShawn, Gordon and Linda, and it'll be there'll be a hyperlink to our LinkedIn profiles. So we encourage you to click on those links and add us as a connection and send us a message that you listen to this podcast or mention anything else that you're interested in. Um, but we'd love to connect with you. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.